I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, coming to you live on this Sunday evening. Hope you're good. Hope you're well. Thank you all so much for joining me. A big hello to everybody who's joining us live at the moment. And of course, to everybody else who will be watching this back or listening to this back at a later point. Hope you've all had a good weekend. It wasn't the perfect weekend, obviously, given Arsenal's performance and then the subsequent result at Everton. But you have to say that today's result between Spurs and Manchester City makes everybody feel a hell of a lot better. We'll get into the significance of that, the importance of that a little bit later on. But I did just want to jump on this evening and bring you guys another edition of the podcast to kind of talk a little bit more about the defeat at Everton because I have had a chance to sit down and watch the game back without the emotion, without the frustration, without the disappointment, because I already knew what the outcome was going to be. Um, and yeah, I, I think I've kind of identified, put my finger on why it was that Arsenal were unable to perform and unable to get the result that ultimately we all wanted. And I think what happens when your team plays poorly and the result goes against you is you go into crisis mode. That's the state of mind that you drift into. And in crisis mode, you're looking for something or someone to point the finger at. You're looking for somebody to blame. That's how the mind works. Something goes wrong. You want to know why. You want to work out why. And it's very rare that you have that kind of coolness and calmness to be able to take a step back, put your conclusions on hold, rewatch the game, and then come up with a more informed opinion. And I'm not saying that this is the case with everyone, but I think a lot of people yesterday were so disappointed, so frustrated by what they'd just seen that they were looking for somebody to point the finger at. Some people pointed the finger at Mikel Arteta for the substitutions he made, for the choices he made, the decisions he made. Some people were pointing the finger at Edu because of the players that he brought in in January. Others were pointing the finger at Jorginho as an individual. And it just goes to show that, you know, there's so many different opinions that you can have. And, you know, you, as I say, when you go into crisis mode, meltdown mode, whatever you want to call it, the natural thing to do is to look for someone or something to blame. And I think that in that state of mind, you're, you know, you're susceptible to making a rash conclusion or coming to a rash conclusion. And I think that's what happened yesterday with a lot of people, probably myself as well. You know, I got really defensive of Arsenal yesterday because I've been saying for months that this was coming. I've been forecasting the fact that Arsenal weren't going to be able to sustain that incredible level they'd shown up until this point for the duration of the season without there being any bad patches or without there being any disappointing results. And when you think that, you know, last season, and I'll just bring up um, the table from last season, because I think this is a really sort of significant point. Bear with me one second, just so I can make sure that what I'm reading to you is fact and not uh, me sort of, you know, just imagining stuff. But if you look back at the Premier League table last season, right, where we finished fifth, Arsenal lost 13 games that season. 13 games is a hell of a lot of games. Didn't draw very many, drew just three. I think three was the least in the division last season. So the draws, you know, that wasn't an issue. We were either 
able to get over the line and turn games into wins or we weren't able to take a point at all. And, you know, Arsenal have progressed this season and have developed. But when you just just think about that for a minute, right? So Arsenal lost 13 games, which means that by the halfway point, which we're just over, Arsenal last season, on average, in theory, would have conce- would have lost. And I don't know exactly when the defeats came off the top of my head. But on average, you'd have expected Arsenal then, if they were as you know at the same level as last season, to have lost six and a half games by this point. Instead, we've lost just two. And the second came yesterday. And that's why I got defensive. That's why I was looking at it and saying, what the hell is wrong with people? Why are people overreacting? Why are people so desperate to burst our bubble? Why are people so desperate to find a scapegoat, someone to point the finger at? And why are people so desperate to make a mountain out of a molehill? Now, listen, had Manchester City won today, then obviously I would have been feeling less optimistic, less confident about our title chances. But at the same time, my opinion on Arsenal as a team wouldn't really have changed. We were going to lose another game at some point. It felt like it was the perfect storm for Everton. Sean Dyche coming in, Goodison Park on its feet. You know, Arsenal not quite being at the races. Everything seemed to come together for Everton and it was their day. It was not ours. The performance was poor all round and we'll get into that in a minute. But yeah, um, I do think that a lot of us, a lot of Arsenal fans went into panic mode yesterday, crisis mode, whatever you want to call it. And so there was a need at least a lot of people felt anyway, to point the fingers at someone or something. The truth is, and this was my first observation, and I said this to you guys yesterday on the Match Reaction podcast, I I just thought that the collective was terrible. Like everybody was below the level that we all know that they're capable of. Everybody failed to live up to the levels that they've shown and everybody underperformed. Maybe with the exception of Aaron Ramsdale, everybody else on the pitch was just not at the level that we've become accustomed to this season. And as Insomnia says in the chat, Arsenal used to win in, so the defeat comes as a shock. I think there's an element of that as well. I really do. But I've watched the game back, as I say. I've broken it down. Um, I've tried to identify exactly what went wrong for Arsenal. And I think the problem was from the off that the tempo wasn't right. Now, I'd spoken in the build-up a lot about Arsenal's need to go out there and and start fast and to try and almost silence Goodison Park before it got a chance to get going. Now, when you're a team like Everton, okay, their support is great. I'm not taking anything away, um, you know, from them. They're They're a brilliant, loyal bunch of fans, you know, but they were in a bad place. You know, the protests were happening outside the ground. You always felt like if Everton could do something on the pitch to get them going, you know, that frustration and anger that you saw outside of the ground might turn into something quite hostile and intimidating for their opponent within the walls of Goodison Park. And that's exactly what happened. But that only happens when you give a team encouragement, when you allow them to get, um, you know, get comfortable, when you allow them to create opportunities. And with every opportunity they created and with every moment that Arsenal failed and struggled to break them down, Confidence was growing and growing and growing and growing. And it just goes to show that things can change really, really quickly um, in football. You know, that they can. Often as well, I talked about crisis mode, panic mode, whatever you want to call it. Often when you're in that state as well, you completely dismiss the idea of giving the opponent some credit. And when it comes to Everton, having watched them back again, 
You have to. You absolutely have to because Sean Dyche has gone in there. And I know this sounds like one of those old football cliches, but he's got them doing the basics. He's got them defending, you know, putting their bodies on the line, being committed in a good shape, being physical, giving 150% at all times. And that, you know, bred into a good performance. And that for them, somewhat fortuitously, because they didn't have a lot of the game. I know they created a few chances. They didn't have a lot of the game, though. Fortuitously or not, whatever, you, however way you want to put it, however way you want to dress it up, Everton managed to get all three points. Goal from a set piece that Arsenal really should not be conceding. And that was it. And Arsenal weren't good enough on the day to respond, to reply. And, and here we are. But there were a few specific things. So for me, the tempo of Arsenal's play wasn't quite there. The zip, the tempo in our passing, there was a lack of sharpness in the way not just we moved, but the way we moved the ball. And very often what you see this Arsenal side do is exchange passes really quickly, really sharply, one, two touch stuff. And what that does is lure people in and then it creates spaces on the flanks, which we then get the ball out to early. And then when we see that teams shift over and try to close us down on the flanks and prevent our wingers doing anything, doubling up on them, we tend to use those inside half spaces as a route in as well, whether that be Xhaka or Odegaard getting forward. Arsenal just moved the ball simply too slowly to do that. I think that Granite Xhaka, um, having watched the game back again, was maybe mindful of the fact that Thomas Partey wasn't at 100% because I thought he was less ambitious in the runs that he made forward. I thought Zinchenko was less effective in that tucked in position than he normally is. But also where you have to give Everton credit is that they squeezed us at times really high up the pitch. They pressed us. They made it difficult for us. At times they forced us to go long. And that is what they want, essentially. Um, you know, they... I, I thought the team selection from uh, from Sean Dyche was, was particularly interesting because there were a few players in there that, you know, on paper are, are decent players, but maybe hadn't been you know, right at the centre of what Frank Lampard was doing or was trying to do. You know, you look at the team, as I say, let me just bring it up one second. Uh, where is it? Hold on. Where am I going? 5th of February, 4th of February. There we go. Um, so you, you look at that team, right? And I'll just kind of take you through it. So it was Pickford in goal. Tarkovsky and Cody, perfect centre-backs really, aren't they, for, for Sean Dyche. Vitaly Mikalenko played at left-back. I thought it was very, very good. Uh, kept Bukai Saka relatively quiet. Seamus Coleman, captain, experienced, comes in. Then you look at that midfield. Idrissa Gay, Amadou Anana and Abdoulaye Dukore. Maybe not technically the greatest midfield in the Premier League, but one that is full of industry, full of running and, and willing to sort of really put the work rate in and get in people's faces and make life difficult. But then you look at the choice of wingers as well, because Alex Iwobi had been playing in field quite a bit recently and had actually been performing quite well. I think a lot of Everton fans would probably tell you that he's been one of Everton's better players this season. But he was selected in a wide area along with Dwight McNeil, not just because of what they can do on the ball, but because of what they bring you off of it. Them too probably have more ability than most in that Everton squad to get back and become part of a midfield five. And we saw at times... Everton drop into that shape and drop into that system to try and contain us. As I say, we didn't move the ball quick enough. 
We didn't have that cutting edge when we got into the final third. I thought the decision-making was poor in terms of some of the passes that we picked. I thought that um, we were constantly trying to work the ball out into the wide areas. We would get it out there. Everton would double up. And then when we tried to play the ball back in field, it wasn't easy to find the likes of Odegaard or Xhaka or maybe Zinchenko on that far side that would normally go into those areas. Because again, Everton had done a really good job of identifying that. If you watch this game back, you will see that Everton did a number on Martin Odegaard. They did a number on Bukayo Saka. They did a number on Gabriel Martinelli on the other side. And when you haven't got a fit and firing Thomas Partey, because let's be honest, he wasn't at anywhere near his best yesterday. You know, when someone shuts off the wide supply or, or, or shuts off the supply to the wide areas, you're then expecting or hoping that Arsenal can make some, something happen through the middle. And Thomas Partey wasn't quite at it. Eddie Nketiah was lost, almost drowned in uh, the sort of physicality of the two centre-halves. So I think you have to give Everton loads and loads of praise and loads and loads of credit. And I know, as I say, that when people are in that crisis mode after a game, they don't want to do that. They don't want to look at what maybe went wrong that was out of their control. They need to find somebody to pin it on. And unfortunately, some of the stuff I was reading online and even in the chat box here yesterday was rubbing me up the wrong way. You know, people questioning Mikel Arteta's management, questioning Edu's decisions. Listen, you can question individual decisions. You're absolutely within your rights to do that. But, you know, some of the vitriol that we see online, it's just, it's, it's just got beyond embarrassing. I mean, I remember last week seeing Edu out trending on Twitter. How have we got to this point? Look at where we are in the Premier League. So I watched the game back. It's clear to me that Arsenal weren't good enough on the day. Nowhere near, in fact. It was clear to me that there were a number of players, maybe seven or eight in that starting eleven, that underperformed. And when that happens, what do you expect? You know, we had an off day. The off day was due. It was going to come. Hopefully it doesn't come again next week or the week after because we need to get back on it. We need to get back to winning ways and we need to do it quickly. We had a bit of a scare this weekend, but thankfully for us, Spurs' results, Spurs' victory over Manchester City, I've always said I like that Harry Kane geezer, has undone the damage that we did it to ourselves at Goodison Park yesterday. Now, some will look at it glass half empty and some will say, oh, well, imagine we'd won at Everton. You know, we'd have been eight points clear of Manchester City with a game in hand. I prefer to look at it as glass half full. Arsenal were really, really poor yesterday. As poor as they've been all season. They were beaten. Deservedly beaten, I think, when you watch the game back. I know people talk about the amount of the ball that Arsenal had, etc., etc. But when I sat and rewatched the game this morning, all the best chances came Everton's way. All the best chances were fashioned by Sean Dyche's side, not ours. We had a couple of half chances, a couple of decent opportunities, I guess, if you want to call them that. But that's a bit of a push. And that's it. That's it. You know, we, we weren't good enough on the day. We didn't deserve anything. And we came away with exactly what we deserved, which was a big fat zero. So, yeah, now it's about focusing on how we respond to that. Now it's about focusing on how we get back to winning ways. Not picking out individual players as the reason, because I could name you seven, eight, as I say, 
Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. They were all below the level that we know that they can perform at. But let's just be thankful that Spurs managed to get that result today because, as I say, it undoes the damage. Now, yeah, as I say, in an ideal world, you want to capitalise and you want to extend that lead even further, but football doesn't work like that. This is going to swing from week to week. And there was a big opportunity for Manchester City to swing, I think, the momentum back in their favour with that game against us coming up very soon. You know, if they had gone to Spurs and won today, I'd have been really worried, really worried. But instead, they went there, showed us all again that they're not perfect, showed us all again that maybe right now they're not better than us. They dropped the points. And so we're back to where we started. And the thing is, is that you can say it was an opportunity to do this and do that. Had Manchester City gone and won today and Arsenal beaten Everton, nobody would be talking about the the gap. People would be talking about how well Arsenal did again and how well Arsenal did to keep Manchester City at a distance once more. Well, that distance has not decreased. They have not cut that distance today. And we need to be grateful for that, thankful for that. It's a bit of a get-out-of-jail-free card. Never thought it would come from Spurs, but cheers, lads. And so here we are, back where we started the weekend in terms of the, the difference between us and them. Let's be grateful for that. Let's work on what was you know, poor at the weekend. Let's hopefully get back on track, as I keep saying. And, and that's that, you know, move on from it. But yeah, it's a young team. You know, this is a young Arsenal team, average age of 24 years and six months or whatever it is. And yeah, um, they are going to experience things like this. There are going to be ups and downs. And I'm glad that Manchester City dropped points, not because, well, obviously for the obvious reasons that, you know, it keeps us in the lead, it keeps the lead intact, all of that. But also because it means that now those young players who went to Goodison Park at the weekend and didn't perform are not going to be beating themselves up about it all week. Of course, they'll be disappointed. Of course, they'll be looking back on it and wanting to improve and and reflecting on how they can do that. But nobody's going to be deflated to the point where it's going to have a lasting impact, you hope, because of the fact that Manchester City went out there, failed to win, failed to pick up a point, and so the gap remains as it was. Sometimes when you have a near miss, you are prompted into action. And that's what this feels like. The damage hasn't been done or the damage has been undone, I should say, by Spurs. And yeah, great. Let's do it. Um, You know, let's take it on and let's move forward. You know, if you're Bukayo Saka, for example, you're Ben White, you're William Saliba, you know, you come away from Goodison Park yesterday feeling down in the dumps. And then you're looking at Manchester City and you're thinking, oh, my God, if they go on and win this today, then, you know, this has been a really shit weekend for us. And I think when you're a young, inexperienced group who haven't experienced the ups and downs of a title chase and title race before, that has the potential to cause you a big, long-lasting problem. But instead, 
Manchester City dropping those points means that the guys can look at that and go, oh, lucky escape that. Let's move forward. Let's make sure that we don't put ourselves in this position again because they'd have been sitting there biting their nails this afternoon. Let's make sure that we're not in that position again going forward. Let's put it right and on we go. So, yeah, my summary of the Everton game is that we just weren't up to it all over the pitch. Um, as I mentioned, probably seven, eight, if not more players that you could put under the microscope. Didn't move the ball quick enough. You know, we tried to line break with our passing a lot as we do. It wasn't as successful yesterday. Gave the ball away a lot more than we normally do. Um, some sloppy passing as well in our defensive half, which allowed Everton to break on us on a few occasions and then create chances, the type of which we weren't able to fashion because there was very rarely that type of space in between their defensive and midfield lines. But it is what it is. We learn and we're going to come up against more and more teams that play that way against us. The better we do and the bigger our reputation gets, the more likely it is that teams are going to turn up to play against us with that negative mindset. And we have to find a way of unlocking that and breaking it down. We've done it relatively well so far this season. But as I say, we just weren't at the races yesterday. And my God, did it show. Get out of jail free card. Hand it over to us by our friends down the road. Thank you so much, lads. Uh, if we do go on and win the Premier League title, which there's a long way to go, I promise you, I will be thanking you and reminding you of this weekend. A uh, big thank you to Insomnia, who says that the title is Arsenal's to lose. Keep up the good work. Thank you, mate. Thank you for your very kind uh, donation to the channel. Uh, going to take a couple of your uh, comments uh, before I go. This is a short edition, a uh, shorter edition of the podcast. It is Sunday night. I'm absolutely shattered. We're going to bring you another one tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I, just, I, I did want to jump on, especially because of the Spurs result and kind of just highlight, you know, how significant that is. I'm not saying we should be jumping up and down because Spurs won or we should be praising them or anything like that. We we're not going to go that far. But I must admit, when that final whistle blew, I did give it a bit of a fist pump. I did. Um, because I know how important that that can be for us moving forward. And not just in terms of the points and the gap and the advantage, but in terms of the mental thing. I really do think that those young players would have come away yesterday incredibly disappointed. And to see that damage almost repaired today or 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 undone today, I think, you know, means that it doesn't sort of play on their minds for the entire week now building up to the Brentford game. It doesn't add the same level of pressure that would have been on them to go and beat Brentford had Manchester City won today. Obviously, it's a big game. There's always pressure when you're at the top of the table. But if Manchester City had managed to close that gap even further, I know we've still got the game in hand and all that, but it would have just would have just added to that pressure. And, you know, this is a young team and you want to try and keep them out of that type of mindset as much as possible. Let's quickly take some of your thoughts and comments from the chat before I say my farewells. But if I could quickly ask you guys, if you haven't done so already, to please leave a like on the video. Uh, that would really, really help. There's over 300 of you with me right now, but we've only got 79 likes on the board. Let's try and get up to 150 uh, by the time we sign off. Also, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Uh, that really, really does help. And if you're interested in the Chronicles of Aguna Premium, where you can access our post-match player rating show uh, after every match, after about an hour of the full-time whistle, we bring you 
uh, player ratings, sometimes from the ground, uh, sometimes from home or wherever I'm, I'm at when I'm watching it. But yeah, we've done quite a few of those from the grounds. We've done one from Oxford. We've done one from Manchester City this season. Uh, so yeah, we've been doing that really frequently and that's been good fun. Uh, but if you want access to that and some more premium content, uh, you can visit anotherslice.com forward slash Chronicles of Aguna, create your account on the platform using that account, log in and sign up to the Chronicles of Aguna. And once you've done that, you'll be able to access our exclusive members only content via the Another Slice app, or you can take the custom RSS feed and you can plug it into whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. Okay, let's um, let's take some of your thoughts. Uh, Lompre says, uh, what do you make of Martinelli's form? i got to be honest, um, I, I think it's dropped off a little bit. You know, I think it's, um, I don't think his level is at the same level that he was prior to the World Cup. Um, I think that that's expected. I think he was at such a high level before the World Cup that a bit like the team, there was going to be a dip at some point. You know, you got to, that's how football works, right? And especially young players, one of the hardest things for them to be able to find and deliver is consistency. And when you look at how consistent, for example, Saka is on the right-hand side, it's difficult when it comes to Martinelli to expect him to do the same week in, week out. I think that, yeah, you know, I wasn't against the idea of taking him off yesterday. I was actually looking at him at that point and thinking, yeah, I'd probably swap you for Trossard. I know a lot of people didn't want to see that change made. I was watching the game with my dad and he was livid at that change. He didn't want to see Martinelli come off because he felt like at the point he came off, he was just starting to get into the game a little bit more, drifting slightly further in field, et cetera, et cetera. What I will say about Martinelli's form is that I'm not worried about it. I think you know, people are highlighting in the chat the absence of Gabriel Jesus and maybe that plays a part. I think that does play some part. I, I, I think it's undeniable that Martinelli's form has, has dipped a little bit, but I think it's also not something that we need to be worrying about at this point. He's so talented. I'm delighted he signed a new contract. And, you know, the great thing is that we've got some options now. And when you've got a few options, you can take these young players out of the firing line when they hit these periods. And um, and that can be helpful sometimes. Uh, the Manhattan Short Film Festival says, did you listen to Tom's comments this morning on the press box and what they were saying about the state of the pitch? I think you could see that the state of the pitch was no good um, on the television, if I'm honest. It didn't look great. And I think sometimes what you get at grounds like that is, um, no, not just at grounds, at any grounds, you know, sometimes something as subtle as leaving the grass a tiny bit longer in certain areas can slow the speed of the ball. Uh, when traveling and and that can then impact on that tempo and rhythm that I've already said was missing in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, I don't think that helped, but I'm not going to do a Jürgen Klopp and blame that on why we did or, or blame the lack of a victory on that. Uh, big thank you to Nick. Um, really appreciate your kind words. Uh, Mark says, Harry, did the Spurs win and the Suvla make your weekend better? Uh, i got to say a big shout out to my friend Mike uh, for the Suvla smashing uh, Suvla as always. He's the king. Um, so yeah, he was, uh, he was the chef today. I was just standing around watching the football and eating basically, uh, and drinking as well, which is always good fun. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Avic says, uh, if Arsenal win the league, give a medal to Harry Kane. Well, he certainly isn't going to earn one with that lot, is he? Uh, let's take a couple more before, um, before I disappear. Um, 
Nick says, what did you make of Zinni shooting? Yet to score a Premier League goal, would love it to be with us. Has he not scored a pro? I'm sure he scored a Premier League goal before, hasn't he? All those years at Manchester City, telling me he didn't score a Premier League goal. I'm going to check that. Um, but yeah, look, he had a couple of cracks at goal. The one from the corner right at the end, I didn't mind that. I thought that was a clever corner and it could have gone anywhere. And, you know, we could have been reaping the rewards from that. But there was one that he took earlier on in the game from a, a simple further distance. And that just seemed unnecessary to me. Oh my God, he's never scored a Premier League goal. You're absolutely right. I can't believe that. He's played 89 times in the Premier League and he's never scored a Premier League goal. Wow. I didn't know that. Incredible stat. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, the, the shot from the corner at the end when it was cut back to him on the edge of the box, I got no problem with that. But the one that he took earlier felt like a bit of a waste. And sometimes players have that, those moments, right? But often when a player takes a shot like that, it kind of says more about the lack of options that they had than it does, you know, the, uh, about their technical ability. It was a long way out. He's never going to beat the keeper from there. It's going to take something magical. But the fact that he takes the shot on, a player that normally likes to pass the ball, move the ball, it says that, you know, the options weren't there. Uh, Ginger Guna says, the substitutions made by Arteta were not good enough. I know it's easy to judge from afar, but every change was like for like, why not bring on Tierney for Xhaka and push Zinni into the eight? Yeah, he could have done that. I mean, one of the things we were saying yesterday when we were watching the game was maybe bring Tomiyasu on and go to a back three. You know, Ben White was clearly not at it, right? Why not Why not take Ben White off, bring Tomiyasu on, stick him in as part of a back three with Saliba and Gabriel because he's got that ability to go out and be like a right back as well in different game states and then push Zinchenko into the midfield and, and ultimately throw another body forward. That was something that we talked about while we were watching the game. So, yeah, um, you know, maybe there was things that Mikel Arteta could have done differently. But, I mean, the system and the shape and the formation, it's worked so well all season. You can understand, if you don't agree, you can at the very least, I think, understand why he was reluctant to change that up. Avic says it is a long season and City will also have to visit some bogey teams like Palace and Everton away. All we need to do is get three points versus Brentford. We shouldn't be looking past that. We shouldn't be looking past Brentford. Let's go out and get three points against Brentford and then let's try our luck against them um, in the midweek afterwards. Because I tell you what, if we can beat Brentford and even draw with Manchester City, we are in a cracking position moving forward. So, yeah, um, as I say, panic over, damage undone. You can look at it with the glass half empty, as I said earlier on, and say that we could have opened up an even bigger lead. Or you can look at it with the glass half full and say, we were shit, we didn't turn up, we were really below our level, but thankfully a result went our way that means that the damage that we've done has been undone and we're back to where we were. The status quo remains. It's another game done in the Premier League. We're another game along in this marathon towards the end and we maintain the lead that we had going into the weekend. Look at it, glass half full. I always prefer half full to half empty. Thank you guys all so, so much. Uh, I am going to leave it there because I'm going to go chill out, uh, relax a little bit before a really busy day of work tomorrow. 
um, and uh, catch up with match of the day as well. Remember, don't forget to leave a like on the video if you haven't done so already. Let's try and get to 150 likes before the stream ends. Uh, subscribe to the channel if you're brand new. Check out my new channel as well. Uh, the link is in the description if you're interested in some more general football content. Nothing gone up today, but we'll get back onto that uh, from tomorrow. And I will see you all very, very soon. Until next time, goodbye. Up the Arsenal. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Sims.